Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Video bandwidth is provided by Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This is The Social Hour with Sarah Lane and Amber MacArthur, recorded Monday, April 4th, 2011. The Social Hour is sponsored by GoToMeeting. Business travel can kill your company's profit, so to do more, save more, and travel less, use GoToMeeting. For your free 30-day trial, visit gotomeeting.com slash twit. And by FreshBooks, the easy online invoicing service that gets you paid quickly and makes you look professional. Get started with a free package at freshbooks.com. And by Netflix. Watch thousands of TV episodes and movies streamed to your PC, Mac, or TV instantly. Plus, get DVDs by mail in about one business day. For your free 30-day trial, go to netflix.com slash twit. Welcome to another edition of The Social Hour in Petaluma, California. I'm Sarah Lane. And I'm Amber MacArthur from Sydney, Australia. Oh, you're in Sydney? I thought you were in Melbourne. I was in Melbourne a few hours ago, like maybe <laughs> maybe six or eight hours ago. <laughs> what, what, are you, what are you doing that. down under, Amber? I can barely keep up with you. Um, I'm speaking at a conference, of course. Uh, so uh, doing a couple of keynotes at uh, a conference down here called Get Smart. And I'm not just saying it like that with a weird accent. There's actually a C in it. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. So uh, on... Uh, Monday, I know it's Monday there for you, but on Monday in Australia, uh, I spoke at uh, the conference in Melbourne and uh, I'm doing uh, another event in Sydney on Wednesday. So uh, funny enough, uh, my mom came with me and uh, so did my grandmother because my grandmother hasn't seen her brother in 42 years. Oh my gosh. Yeah, he lives outside Sydney. So she's spending time with uh, him right now. So it's turned into a uh, work slash uh, uh, mini family holiday, but we're only here a few more days, but we will get to see the city. So that's very exciting. Well, you're a dedicated individual, Amber. I got to give you that because no matter where you are in the world, you're always willing to Skype in, even on very little sleep. So thank you you for your your support. It's so funny because I literally did, it took me like a day to figure out what time it was going to be where you are and uh, sorting out. And I kept thinking, no, it can't be 4 a.m. Because I I really wanted to believe that it was going to be later when I had to get up. (laughs) However, Google told me, you know what's awesome with Google? You can just write in what time is it in San Francisco and that's it. And it it, uh, told the truth. So here I am. Well, cool. We're glad to have you as always. I mean, I can't do the show without you. We're, we're each other's co-hosts, but we actually have a special treat today because we are joined, our very first guest, by the way, on The Social Hour, we've never had a guest before, by Colors co-founder, Peter Pham. Peter, how are you? Good. How are you guys doing? We're fine, thanks. Uh, Peter, I think that Color probably has the distinction of being the most talked about app launch uh, that I can remember, at least in recent memory. I don't know if you uh, agree with me, Amber, but it has been... Oh yeah, quite it's been the launch, a wild ride, I would say. And uh, uh, we talked a little bit about color last week, so it's a total treat to have you on the show. Uh, I would love just to get your uh, uh, your take on what color is all about and how it all came together, because it to me it just kind of, in some ways, popped out of nowhere and then just overtook many of the blogs as far as the number one topic of conversation. Sure. So uh, we've been working on it for about seven months here in downtown Palo Alto, and you know, color is a free app that you can get on the iOS iTunes store and lets you instantly share photos, videos, and text with the people that are in your immediate vicinity, about 150 feet. 
And the idea that you can just turn it on, take photos, and instantly see across multiple devices, that's our main focus. Instantly share amongst others around you. And that's available on iPhone. Uh, Android Marketplace is down, has been down for the last few days, so we're working with them to figure out what's going on there. But that, that'll be back up soon as well. Now, Peter, I know that uh, over the weekend, I think it was Friday for the iOS folks, I'm, I'm looking at color now. Amber and I talked about color a bit on the show last week and, and that we were a little... Um we were a little confused by what some of the buttons meant because, of course, the, the app is, you know, it's nothing if you can't understand it. And uh, before the update, there were three buttons and you could kind of play around and figure out what they did, but they weren't necessarily intuitive. Now there's an update for iOS folks, and I know Android was rolling out over the weekend. It sounds like there's a bit of a delay on that end, but it's coming. What, uh, what prompted the, the change? We had a lot of user feedback. Um, and, and that was a main function. We definitely want to make sure that people understand how to use the application. Uh, there are now four buttons, including the, the button to take a photo. Um, you know, the first one that you're pointing to is uh, looking at what's nearby. What are the groups, what we call multi-lens, but what are the groups that are available around you that you can take photos with? So you mm-hmm. just swiped over to somebody near you that's taking photos. So if you click the camera button at the bottom, you can join that group to take photos. Um, you can you go and swipe. I don't know how the delay is right now. and Or you can create a new group. So that's just taking photos with other people. The button next to it is the feeds. And that is uh, photos from people that have been in your elastic network, what we call color your elastic network. People that you've been around, people that you take photos with, people that you interact with, like their content, comment on. As they use color, you'll see a real-time feed of their content come in as well. Um, your history button is essentially your diary. Every photo that you've ever taken with color, including all the photos that you've taken with other people, will show up here as well. There's a side swipe as well. You look at each day, you can side swipe. And look at all the photos and videos that have been taken with color historically. <laughs> you can see, the, my uh, friends are a fun bunch of folks, obviously. You guys Sorry, friends. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is awesome. I, I love seeing diaries that are filled out like that, right? And the last one is just notifications. So people would like and comment um, your photos. You'll see just notifications coming. So, so I have a, a – sorry, Peter. I, I was just going to go back just a little bit because I wanted you to just explain the elastic network because I know you kind of sure. popped that phrase in there. But to be honest with you, that's one of the things that I found most interesting about colors when I started to hear some of the tech bloggers talk about this concept of the elastic network. Because could you just step back and explain what that is for yeah. people who are hearing it for the first time? Absolutely. So, you know, at launch, there was three major concepts. And I think we're trying to push three really different concepts out into the public. One is instantly share photos with the people who are physically around you, right? Uh, Two is this idea of your elastic network is, you know, some people are calling it your implicit network. People that you physically spend time with, people that you share photos with, take photos with, um, interact with on a day-to-day basis, those in our world are the people that you probably care more about or want to see their content from. And we're trying to build a graph of uh, those people based on those social interactions that you have. Um, that elasticity of the network is based on how often you take photos with them. These might be your coworkers that you're in the office with all the time or the friends that you go out with every Friday night. That network of people will build your elastic networking inside of color. And so even if you're not physically near each other, you're in 
Australia and we're here, if we were friends, we would start seeing each other's photos in real time. So those are some of the pieces that we're starting to build inside of Color. Uh, DJ Patel, who is our chief product officer and came from LinkedIn as a chief scientist, is kind of building the interactions of each individual within Color to understand whose photos do you care about that you should be seeing inside of your feed. Uh, when you walk into a room, should you be grouped with them to take photos with them instantly? So there's a lot of data behind what that network looks like. Yeah, Peter, you mentioned the- um, walking into a room, and, and I know that on Twitter yesterday there was a bit of a lively debate about colors, privacy implications. Robert Scoble was one of the guests, and I know yeah. that uh, the, the you folks did a really, really revealing uh, audio interview with Robert. It's on scobleizer.com. It's, it's fascinating, um, and you were really candid um, in some of your answers, <laughs> but I know that Leo uh, Laporte, who obviously is the host of Twit, was curious as to how audio is being collected, because sure. I know that ambient noise factors into color a lot, and I think it's it's a confusing term for yeah, some people to get I their head around. Uh, taken out of context, think more waveforms. So it's not we're not listening to your conversations. We're taking sine waves, waveforms of is it ambient noise? Is it loud? Is it spiky? So think right. We've all taken the science classes where you turn on a, uh, a oscillator and you'll see what the sound waves look like. We're doing sampling of that. So we're not recording audio. We are taking waveform samples of the ambient noise levels to kind of put a, uh, to make an understanding of, are you with the other person? So is it sort of like a a way to prove that you're where you say you are? Because isn't the phone already gathering your geolocation data? GPS is not very accurate at all. Uh, I'm sure you pulled up your Google maps at some point and it shows you several blocks or several miles away from your last, from where you actually are. So we're taking a lot of data samples to understand that, are you physically with me to take photos? So the sound sampling is, again, it's more, think more waveforms, not actual sound bites. So we're not recording audio in the sense of this conversation. It's, are, am I in a quiet room? Am I out on the street? I'm inside a rock concert. There's different noise levels and different kind of characteristics of sound. So I have a question just, uh, and, and, you know, then we can move on to talk about some of the other features sure. with color and uh, and it is about privacy because I think that's one thing that has scared people a lot. You know, that idea that they could be just sharing all of these images with people and possibly strangers who are around them. So can you talk just for a yeah, minute about be- privacy and, and your views on that? Absolutely. I think one of the, the big things for us in the law of the press that kind of came out is we wanted to have this discussion about open. Color is public. We, wanted, there, we don't want to have a sense that there's private uh, conversations of people sharing photos with each other. We want to look at the world the way Twitter has. And standing on the shoulders of Twitter, a tweet is public. Taking a photo on color should be treated the same. So, you know, one of the big focuses at launch was to try to make sure that people understand the conversation that color is a public product. People that are nearby can see the photos that you're taking. And that if I use color on a day-to-day basis, anytime I walk into another room and I turn on the app and I start taking photos, you can see me. You can click on my face inside the app and you can view my diary. You can view every photo that I've ever taken with color and hopefully give you some context and some empathy of understanding, you know, what type of person I am. You'll see pictures of me spending with my family, 
birthday parties, at work most of the time. And again, understanding a little bit more about me in a public forum, every photo that I've ever taken on color can be seen. So, Peter, when when Color first launched, uh, some of the the hot topics were uh, the funding that was around the launch. Uh, you got a lot of funding, forty one million, if I'm correct. And yes. a lot of folks were like, forty one million. What does any company need to launch an app with that much money? This is, you know, we're in a bubble, and this just proves it that much more. However, and again, this was uh, from your audio interview with Robert Scoble. I know that you had said, listen, I mean, $41 million gives us a lot of room to grow and change, listen to our user base, play around, find what works, figure out what doesn't. Um, And I think that a lot of companies who have a good idea that they hope will stick, they put it out there, they don't have a lot of money to play with, they find, oftentimes, if it doesn't stick right away, you fade into obscurity and that's sort of the end of it. Do you think that... Having money off the bat is necessary uh, in order to not only gain traction, but be able to grow with your user base and not uh, lose them immediately, never to return. I I think we're sticking with one clear vision and how we get there. The funding will help facilitate compression of time. Some of the things we talked with Robert is that the amount of information in real time to understand when two people, three people, or 500 people are together taking photos, whether you're at a concert, whether you're at a birthday party, whether you're at a wedding, you know, that is all real-time information. And that infrastructure required is going to be a lot of the funding that we, that we use for. So, you know, will we iterate? Will we update? You can saw the update that we released on Friday. We're listening to users. That's one week after launch. Um, you know, as we said, we have the down payment towards what we're going to be changing in terms of user interface and the product in the next couple of weeks. But again, it will still be focused on sharing photos instantly with the people that you're around, discovering some of the people that you are nearby on top of that, but also understanding this public context that every photo that you take within color is public. Much of the technology and a lot of the user interface and a lot of the confusion that we're trying to address is the, this is not a product that you're going to use alone. Like, don't use this alone. In fact, we had a warning in the iTunes store. Warning, do not use this alone. And, you know, it, I look at the tweets, I watch what's happening, people turn it on and say, there's nobody around. Well, it is, if you interact with another human being in the day, that's what we want you to use. You know, all weekend I went to two birthday parties, took my family also to the Ferry Building. I, uh, we had folks in Kentucky using it, celebrating them making it to the final four. We've had people using it at rock concerts, Madison Square Garden. The use cases are really when you're around other people and instantly seeing those photos and sharing those experiences with others. Just a, a, a fun question for you, and this one comes in from one of our uh, listeners on uh, Twitter, uh, Hate Bad Design. He's just wondering why you picked the name Color. As he explains, uh, when you try to search for Color in sure. the App Store, you get uh, thousands and thousands of different applications. Obviously, that hasn't hurt your popularity since uh, you've gained a lot of traction over the past week. But uh, sure. where did that name come from? I mean, I think it's a yeah. great name, but yeah, actually, he is right. So actually, uh, Bill who's my co-founder here and CEO, he actually has a great, he actually answers it great in Quora, word for word, but the story is he was at Apple uh, before here, but as a kid, one of the things was his inspiration in really getting into technology was uh, Apple and the, them moving to a color logo. And so it's a lot of his uh, 
roots come from his inspiration of Apple and having the color logo as it is. And the name uh, just happens to be a verb and a noun, which is also nice. But uh, there's a lot of intuitions that you can kind of say against color as terms of the name. We're trying to definitely bring color to the way people live in the community, the way you share with others. And fundamentally, you know, I think color can be defined uh, in a lot of different ways, but we definitely want it to be a way for people to share instantly with other people. Peter, I just have one more question. Amber, you might have another. Uh, I know we have to let you go in a couple of minutes, but I have noticed that when I use color, um, even though I have an iPhone 4, which by and large has a very good camera, uh, but in yeah. low light, it you know sometimes leaves a little to be desired and flash only works some of the time. Color doesn't use filters. Um, and sometimes when I'm looking at a bunch of photos from you know a recent night out, some of the pictures are okay and some of them are not so great. One of the things that uh, many of the other photo applications do is they add filters to make your pictures look prettier. Are you staying away from filters on purpose to differentiate yourself, not be another Instagram, or is that something that's coming down the pipeline? Look, uh, you know, we think products like Instagram, Hipsomatic, as, as photo apps are, are great, they're beautiful uh, apps, but that's not really what we're trying to do, right? We're trying to create a, so, a social sense and a social application where when you're with others, you're, it's about capturing the experience together. And to do that is volume and flow of a concert, a flow of a birthday party, a flow of, and I, as I looked at it through your diary right there, it looks like you take a lot of just fun photos and filters just seem to slow you down. Rather than trying to capture a night out with your friends with one perfect photo that's slightly tilted and, and filtered, I'd much rather see six of you capture 70 photos through the night and give you the ability to really experience what it was like to be there. Um, and, and I'm sure you've seen it when you use it with two, three, four, five, six people, the flow of photos just really start coming in and you get a completely different experience and that you otherwise would if we slowed you down with kind of making you take a filter for the next 30 seconds before you take another photo. It also takes you out of the moment. So if you're at dinner, I really want you to just pick up the phone and, take a couple of photos and put the phone back down and let other people take photos and put their phone back down and walk away from the night with all those photos rather than staring at your phone and trying to pick filters, not enjoying so you're, the actual. you're trying to keep the experience realistic. Whatever camera Absolutely. you've got on you at the time, that's what I'm showing you. I'm not prettying it up. I'm not changing the color of it or, you know, adding contrast that wasn't actually there type of thing. Keeping us honest, I guess. <laughs> I just have one last question for you, Peter. This is a really yeah. quick one. Obviously, uh, my fiance is watching from the other side of the world and he uh, asked a question on Twitter. If I get over a million followers using color, can I get paid to wear a Coke shirt? And uh, <laughs> although I'm sure he's half joking, it does uh, bring a question to my mind as far as how brands can use color because I've seen some interesting conversations around that. Yeah, it's interesting. We're, we're seeing, I mean, the amount of outreach we're starting to get is pretty amazing from sports organizations to music festivals, uh, artists themselves. When they want their audience to participate and engage with them when they're physically there. So, for example, uh, you can imagine an entire audience at a rock concert participating in the experience and seeing what photos are being taken backstage from the artists themselves and projecting that onto the big screen. Um, that live sense of using our product and engaging in the audience that has one common uh, passion. Right? I'm staring at and I'm a big fan of that particular artist. To share that experience with hundreds of thousands, hundreds or thousands of people, they're really trying to engage with their audience. In terms of how brands use it, uh, 
you know, it's early. We're, we're getting a lot of different input from different brands on how they want to do it. But I think our big focus is I just want a lot of people to use it around other people and, sh- and share that experience in real time with others. Peter Very Pham, cool. the well, thank you. co-founder of Color, uh, iPhone update rolled out already. Android update coming any minute now, I suppose. Peter, thanks uh, so much gonna- for joining us. It's been great talking to you and getting a little bit more insight uh, from one of you guys on uh, what's new- next for Color and-, and the thought that you've put into it so far. Thanks so much. Thanks. Have a good thanks, one. Peter. Amber, Amber, what do you, uh, what, you know, I mean, how, how much are you using color? Would you say that you've been, you've been using it regularly or? Not really. And I, I mean, I think part of the issue for me is just that uh, um, I use, and I hate, I'm sure people hate to hear this, but I use a BlackBerry primarily. I mean, I do have an iPhone and I use it for Instagram now and again, but my main phone that I kind of carry around with me is a BlackBerry. So um, I, you know, obviously it's not convenient for me to use it that often. And I still am a little bit cautious about the privacy issues. And this is probably just due for me, Sarah, to the nature of like my business and what I do. And I travel a lot by myself. And I think it's one of those things that I don't really want to be traveling as a woman alone and using color everywhere and, you know, showcasing sort of that part of uh, my daily experience. So uh, I think it's cool. I'm, I'm super excited to watch it. I love this idea of the Elastic Network, and I think that can be applied to a lot of different services out there. Uh, I just haven't really found a place for it in my life. Um, and uh, who knows, maybe I will one day, but uh, right now, kind of slow to uh, adopt. You know, I have to, uh, I have to point out something that's it, it's pretty... Um Pretty admirable. And you mentioned the name color. Where'd, you know, where'd you come up with that name? I mean, they've got color.com. And you know, they actually have the Canadian slash UK spelling color com as well. Goes to the yes, same the page. the real spelling, Sarah. The, the real right spelling, yes, for, <laughs> for, for the old school English folks. Uh, I know. I thought that you'd get a kick out of that if you hadn't noticed yeah. it already. It's a great domain. Uh, I think they paid a pretty penny for it, but it's something that you're never going to forget. And, you know, there's no dropped vowels or double consonants or anything here. So color, it's 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 kind of fascinating how much it has incited. uh, I mean, I'd go so far to say rage with some people. Uh, I mean, they it's almost as if. Um, and again, Leo has his reasons for thinking, oh, you know, they're spying. They're they're collecting mm. our audio data. This is really scary. Um, and Peter's saying, we're not doing that at all. We're just trying to enrich an experience and using data in different ways that other people aren't, aren't using it. So it's interesting to hear uh, the multiple sides of the story on if people like color, if they don't, and why they don't. Um, I know, again, you know, you, you saw my stream. It's like, I have a lot of friends who, my boyfriend was at a bachelor party over the weekend and... You know, you think bachelor party is the kind of place that you don't share photos from historically. Well, no, they're they're um, they're living in the now. So they uh, they, <laughs> they shared the entire weekend with the entire internet, and we pretty much know where they were every moment of the day, except when they were sleeping, uh, well, passed out by the there. pool or whatever. So yeah, it's you know, it's it's good stuff. Well, uh, I think it's one of those things, and I know people that some of the uh, management team from Color has said this before online. It it's a, like any service on the web. You know, obviously, if you're concerned about privacy, then then don't use it, right? I mean, I think that that's the the best message and advice we give to people out there. If it's an if it's an issue for you, then maybe this application is not for you. And some of these tools just aren't for everybody, right? It doesn't mean just because it's the hottest new thing and you, it should fit in your life. Maybe you're more of a you know Facebook user because you want to be able to control that uh, environment a little bit more. 
Absolutely. Before we move on on the social hour, uh, that was fun. I enjoyed our first guest. That worked out really well. Uh, Peter seems like a really good guy. Wanted to, to come, th- Sarah. I know. <laughs> we want to thank GoToMeeting. They're our first sponsor on the show today. Uh, Amber and I, uh, I always mention... We don't live in the same city. We've actually never met. We've never shook hands or given each other a hug or anything. But we have to do a lot of collaboration because we host a show together. And a lot of people may think, oh, yeah, there's somebody like that in my life or many people. Maybe I work remotely for a really big company. If you want to have meetings with people, that could be let's go over a document together. Uh, Let me show you my next sales presentation um, let's ju- let, let me train you on, a, on the way a new product works. Anything where it, you sit in the same room with somebody, you collaborate, you, you share information. If you can't be in the same place as somebody, go to meeting is the way to keep you from having to drive across the country or for me to fly to Australia to hang out in Amber's hotel room with her to go over <laughs> something. It keeps all of that uh, unnecessary because you can do everything remotely. If you go to go to meeting, you, uh, you sign up. It takes like a few seconds to set up a meeting. And all you're doing is collaborating online with the person on the other end or the people on the other end. Uh, it's brought to uh, you by our friends at Citrix. We love Citrix. We use uh, many of their products and, and they've sponsored many of our shows. So we've got a really good relationship with them. It's easy. It's secure. If you're worried, like, is somebody going to be able to spy on my sales pitch? Because that is totally unacceptable. Don't worry about it. Go to meetings. Got you covered. If you like them. Uh, after 30 days, by the way, your first 30 days are free. So you can just try it out, have a bunch of meetings, see that it's awesome, see that it can simplify your life in so many ways. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a small company like we are at Twit. I mean, we consider ourselves a small company. We still have a lot of people that are remote on any given day. Absolutely. We're not always in the same place. We're a large company with hundreds or thousands of employees and and there's no way you're going to get everybody uh, into a meeting together weekly or monthly or ever. Uh, it's awesome. You can try it out for 30 days. And if you love it, 49 a month for unlimited meetings. So if you're a meeting person or even if you hate meetings sort of like me, and uh, you would much <laughs> prefer to just let's just remote, let's use go to meeting instead. And we don't actually have to hang out and, and eat lunch next to each other for the rest of the day. This is your ticket. Go to meeting.com slash twit is our special code. Let them know that. We sent you there because then we get a little pat on the back from them and everyone's happy. And we thank them so much for their support of The Social Hour. Episode two, Amber. We're not doing too shabby, huh? Doing pretty well, sir. I'm loving the show. And I know uh, we've gotten lots of feedback and uh, response online as far as the topics of conversation. Uh, We have a ton of great stories to talk about today. Uh, Just uh, so many things going on. Uh, Probably the the first story that uh, we should mention is uh, Google Plus One. And I know you threw this this into the mix there. Um, And uh, this is pretty exciting. Yeah, I mean, this seems like we're looking at Google's, uh, anybody who's listening to the show, Google's official page, uh, blog uh, blog post that where they said, okay, we are getting into the social search arena. And you think, okay, well, what, Google uh, has Google Buzz. Uh, they, they, they played around with Google Wave. Neither of those have gained the traction that obviously Google would have wanted. What is plus one? I think a lot of people are kind of confused about that. And I don't know about you, Amber. Um, why don't you explain to folks uh, what, what Google plus one means to you? Do you see it as like a Facebook competition tool? 
Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, it is kind of like a, uh, increasing uh, the functionality of your searches by adding uh, uh, the ability to get recommendations from your own networks online. So if you're searching for something, then you may find out that, oh, one of your friends or someone in your family also liked that uh, and thought it was cool. And then it's almost like you have an instant referral from people. So it becomes kind of interesting. And um, I think it goes back to this whole concept of um, search and how search is changing. Uh, I just mentioned this yesterday when I was speaking at this conference conference that I rarely search for anything anymore because I rely on my own networks to tell me, you know, I'm in Sydney right now. Where should I go have lunch? You know, where should my mom and I go tour around? I go directly to my network. So this is almost a way to make search more relevant and uh, uh, more social today. Okay, so I'm just looking at the Google site right now, and this is great for people out there who want to try it out. It says, as, as soon, um, you can opt into the launch by visiting their uh, search, experimental search site. Have you done that? I have, already? I have. And you know, it's funny because when you look at my profile, here's my Google profile, by the way, with plus ones enabled. Let me zoom in on it a little bit because you'll see it on, in my little tab. So this is my Google profile, uh, which I think has actually, um, <laughs> I have sort of silly pictures of my scrapbook, uh, Lady Gaga uh, being part of it. But my plus one tab is the way for someone to very easily, and by the way, my Google profile is public, so anybody can see this, to see what I have plus one. We've been joking around Twit, Amber, that plus one is a very weird verb. <laughs> to plus one yes. something is, I wouldn't say it rolls off the tongue um, as easily no. as to say I liked it. Uh, but I've, you know, I've liked a few things. So I've liked uh, uh, one of your tweets uh, or one of my tweets actually about us on our new show. I've, tw- I've liked the Twit Netcast Network. And these are all links that came from within Google itself, just searching. I liked my own YouTube channel and, you know, I was just playing around a little bit. But the idea is, is that when you search for something on Google uh, to the right of any search result, for the most part, I mean, as far as, you know, actual um, cached uh, websites, you have the option to plus one, which is sort of like saying thumbs up or, or like for anybody who's uh, more familiar with Facebook terminology. You don't have an opportunity to minus one. So it's not sort of the dig situation where you're either voting mm-hmm. something up or voting it down. You either ignore it or you like it. And the idea is, is that if I like the TwitNet cast and Amber goes searching for the TwitNet cast, she will see because we're connected via Google, we're Google contacts with each other. Um, and that's important. It's not just anybody. You're not going to see how many people in the world have liked something. It's your social circle within Google. So that's um, Gchat uh, contacts or people that you follow on Buzz. Um, so Buzz is still somewhat relevant here. And it, it's supposed to give you a better idea of if something's more relevant to you based on what your friends like. Amber, I don't know about you, but I think that the Facebook uh, like button has been really influential to me because I'll go to a website and I'll say, oh, wow, you know, 64 of my friends, you know, you see their little widget over on the right hand rail like this website. I should maybe read it more or maybe I'll even like it myself just because, we, you know, we have common interests and it seems like something that we're all into. I think that this... These types of services can really um, kind of help drive user engagement in different ways. Yeah, I, to- I totally agree. I mean, um, again, I think that with Google, I get to back to the point is, you know, with search, I mean, I, 
I, don't get me wrong, I use Google all the time, but I just find, you know, if I search for Restaurant Sydney and I get millions of results, it's just not relevant to me anymore. So they had to kind of do something to get into this game. And uh, and, and obviously Plus One is it. Uh, like you, not a huge fan of uh, Plus One, the name, it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't roll off the tongue. Obviously, they didn't want to use Like because that's kind of Facebook's thing. Um, but uh, we'll see what happens with that and how successful uh, it will become. Um, I, you know, I'm not over, overly optimistic right now. And again, I think it's just based on the fact that uh, um, I don't know how many people will understand kind of what it is and how, how it works, you know, beyond kind of the um, the online population that's on the web all the time. Um, but we've seen Google before kind of obviously roll out these great hits. So uh, uh, we just have to keep an eye on it and watch and see what happens in the future. Absolutely. I mean, I think if anything, you know, you look at my Google profile here and you've got my about information. This is my bio and of course all the you know links to other websites that I'm involved with, which is in a way I like this about Google profiles more than I do about Facebook because it seems like Google is really encouraging you to, uh, to uh, follow links uh, away from the profile. No problem. Uh, and then you've got, of course my buzz activity. I'm not using buzz at all lately. So, I mean, for the most part, this is useless to me, but anybody who's using buzz, obviously that's helpful links to Picasso web albums, I don't use too much, um, but that's certainly there, and a lot of people do. And then the plus one section. So you go, wow. I mean, when I look at this, I say, this is Google's Facebook profile. I mean, they're they're trying to build profiles that have a lot of information. And when they're adding what I've liked around the web, that adds a whole other dimension of a profile. But it is somewhat strange, and I have to assume that they're going to be adding in what my friends have also liked into that plus one tab at some point. Otherwise, it's kind of just me throwing out a bunch of a bunch of links, bunch of which, it. you know, as we know from Google Buzz, if you're not engaging uh, and there's not a lot of uh, context there, it can just seem promotional and sort of irrelevant. Yeah, definitely. I, I, and I wonder too, will they ever add, you know, plus two, plus three, if you really like something? You know, yeah, really. <laughs> it's going to go from there. Uh, so there's something else I wanted to talk about that, um, um, just to uh, talk a little bit about Twitter, because I think every week on the show, uh, what we're trying to do for people who are listening for the first time or watching is really cover, cover the social landscape. And that means almost every week we'll end up having a Twitter update or a Facebook update. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the, I just wanted to share one link. Uh, that I found on Lifehacker. Huge fan of the site, and I, I know you are too. Absolutely. And it is the top 10 uses for Twitter for that indulgent. <laughs> and uh, one of the reasons I wanted to share this is I realized, I think we understand how Twitter can be beneficial, but the average person uh, that I meet, you know, when I mention Twitter, they think, well, why would I want to tell people, you know, what I ate for breakfast? You have that same excuse all the time. You know, mm-hmm. people aren't going to care that I just went to the grocery store. So this is just a fun little list and has some great ideas in terms of how to use the tool, uh, finding everything from finding a job, using it as a quick access cloud notebook. So if you want to place to uh, jot down some ideas and keep track of them, um, getting alerts and inspiration on pretty much anything. And uh, the list of things goes on, including getting instant customer support. And you had that great story last week about, I think it was Verizon, um, mm-hmm. how uh, you got customer support from them. So if you know people out there who don't get Twitter and they think it's all just a place for people to go and um, just dive into their own lives and, and overshare, this is a fun list to send them off. And that's available at uh, Lifehacker and in our show notes, of course. You know, Amber, I love this list, not only because it brings up some some things I had never thought of. For example, users of um, uh, alert systems like Remember the Milk, they use that as an example. It's like you can DM reminders to yourself 
um, with keywords that remember the milk will take out. And if you've got to pick up, I don't know, whatever for your the Mexican feast that you're throwing for your friends later on, there are there are ways to use um, even DMing uh, to your advantage. There are also, and I think that um, in talking to Peter from Color. He was saying, hey, you know, we've got a little Android issues right now. Um, we'll be up and running as soon as possible. I'm sure that in their Twitter feed for color, they're saying, Android users, please stand by. We know there's an issue. We'll let you know as soon as it's back up um, or available in the App Store or whatever the problem is. And then, you know, they'll update with another tweet, letting know, uh, letting their user base know that uh, that uh, things are working again. I don't know about you, but I you I follow so many company Twitter accounts for this exact reason. Me too. Because yeah, definitely. Things go up and down. Things happen, and if I if I see that in my stream, then I know if I know that uh, Instagram is down, for example, they're another company that's really good at this. If I know that they're down, I'll just wait until they say that. You know, I'm not going to be going to my application and trying over and over and over because I know something's wrong, and they'll just let me know something's going on behind the scenes, server maintenance, whatever. So. Uh, this yeah, this life hacker um, article definitely gave me some good ideas, and some of the ideas I'm already using. But I really agree with that uh, it can be helpful. Yeah, it, I mean it's just and, and and yet there's just so many people who I think just can't they don't get it right. And now from now on, when people ask me and they don't get the value of Twitter, I'm just going to send them this link and they can check it out. <laughs> so we can end the conversation there. Uh, another interesting uh, site uh, on the Twitter front, Sarah. Um, April Fool's Day obviously just passed, and I ha- I'm the first person to admit that I forgot it was April Fool's Day. I landed in Sydney uh, two days later, went online for the first time, and I saw all these crazy stories, and I thought to myself, Oh my god. I've missed so much tech news. Like, you know, this company Hootsuite is launching this uh, mobile game. And I, I thought there, there's been some pretty big stuff that's happened. Twit has acquired Callie Lewis's uh, online video network. And it took me a while to realize that a lot of the stuff, a lot of these were April Fool's Day jokes. Um, a, a funny a, a site that uh, I also just read about, uh, Tweet Forger, which isn't just for April Fool's Day. It's a uh, fun for anyone. It allows you to essentially forge a tweet. So you can pretend that someone else has sent out a message on Twitter by putting in the tweet, uh, the message itself, as well as the person's username. And then it looks like that person has uh, uh, created that, uh, that uh, Twitter message. A little bit scary because I think you can fool people by sending them links to this site. However, the good news is, of course, this is not real and this message will not appear in the person's Twitter stream, but you can have a little fun with someone nonetheless. So, oh, I forgot my pants. So this, yeah. So for example, <laughs> that type of thing, what I did was everyone saw, I tweeted that out. Well, this is, again, it's not actually a tweet. This is a permalink to a page that you could send to somebody and give them exactly. a mini heart attack before they realize that it's a fake. Um, this is a forged tweet kind of... Uh, tumbled out oh i don't know maybe 10 seconds after after i created this page but even if it hadn't anybody who's familiar with twitter can see when it shows you where a tweet came from it says via tweet forger retweeted by zero people it's fake that said amber i think you and i both know that people uh especially when they're they're busy or distracted or whatever can glance at something and be like oh my gosh i can't believe that person just said that and in their mind that's what's happened so 
folks, beware of the tweet forgeries. Beware, especially journalists. <laughs> I mean, because in the, the newsroom environment for a lot of journalists is that you're, you're turning stuff around so quickly. And Twitter has become such a, a, a source for journalists out there just to get information and to share with what everyone from politicians to uh, celebrities are doing. And uh, I could really see, you know, in the quickness of the day that a journalist has, if someone uh, sent them something like this, they may believe it. So uh, everybody needs to be cautious out there and uh, make sure, verify their, their tweets if possible. <laughs> Absolutely. Not only do I, I feel like we need, we need to brand certain segments on the show. Twitter obviously is just, I mean, that's an obvious one. It's, that's one of the biggest social networks out there. You can't go five feet without somebody tweeting something or reading about it or hearing someone complain about Twitter. Facebook. Facebook is the other big guy. I mean, I think, I think Twitter and Facebook, well, and Google certainly more and more are, are, I guess, big three. Um, and there's always Facebook news every week. And so, you know, we're not a Facebook show, but we certainly want to be covering Facebook news in a, in, you know, a little Facebook segment. One day we'll get nice little splash pages for all of our stuff <laughs> in a future Perfect. show. One day, one day. But for now, okay. Amber, I know you sent uh, uh, me a really cool article about uh, people doing good work on Facebook. Yeah, so this was kind of neat. You know, I'm always keeping an eye on uh, what some companies are doing out there and how they're using Facebook because it's become such an amazing platform for people to brand themselves, whether you're an individual creating a, uh, a presence online or you're an organization trying to build community. So uh, Home Depot has uh, been using crowdsourcing uh, to raise money for uh, a bunch of good causes. So the program's called Aprons in Action. And uh, the idea behind it is that the Facebook fans on Home Depot's page, and there are more than 250,000, they get to decide where money is given um, as far as to uh, different nonprofits. So you can vote on uh, uh, nonprofits you think should get everything from a uh, $5,000 gift card all the way up to a $25,000 gift card. And there are larger monthly grants as well. Now, this is similar, Sarah, and it will remind you of the, a little bit of the Pepsi refresh project, uh, mm-hmm. which is in the U.S. and rolled out to other countries like Canada. Um, I think the difference with this is that with the Pepsi refresh fresh project, for people familiar with it, it's a fantastic program. It also involves a lot as far as the application process and, and talking about why your organization uh, deserves to get the money. This is almost like a simpler way for people to decide how um, uh, the foundation for Home Depot is going to give away uh, $30 million over three years. And it's not as though, and this is the thing that will scare people, it's not as though um, the project's featured as one gets everything and the other one gets nothing. Um, all projects that are featured will get at least a $5,000 gift card. And this, this, this was the thing to me that really makes this work, right? So it's not about having favorites and, okay, this one nonprofit has this huge online community, so they're going to get all the money and this other one isn't going to get anything. I love that Home Depot made sure that everybody involved in all the future projects do get something. Yeah, this is, you know, the, the, these are, these kinds of stories, it's very easy to say, oh, well, Home Depot, I mean, they're a corporation, they're trying to make money and this is just a way to make people think that they're doing good work and that they really care. But I mean, these sorts of projects, even if it means that, uh, uh, a company like Home Depot or Pepsi or one of the many companies who dabbles in philanthropic work. This is this is a way for them to get attention for good reasons, and it helps spread goodwill among people who may or, you know may not be their customers. It's not it's not bad mm-hmm. stuff. It's exactly um, yeah. I mean it's it's I, I I love these stories, and I I I you know. I, pat on the back any company who engages in this sort of thing and it's like yes it is good PR for them that's 
It's better than them not doing anything at all and me being ambivalent towards Home Depot. Now I think Home Depot, yeah, you know, they do good stuff um, and I might want to shop there next time. Yeah, I mean, and I think in the social media space, they're doing a lot of interesting things online. And this is just kind of a a good step, I think, in the right direction. So fun to see them uh, uh, experiment with that a little bit. Now, Sarah, you do have another Facebook story on here, Facebook's newest scam. Um, I'm going to be honest, I didn't hear about this because I've sort of been uh, online and offline um, throughout my time so far in Australia. So uh, curious about this uh, Photoshop app. It's sort of like another day, another Facebook scam. I mean... (laughs) We all know that email spam has become so prevalent and it's so easy for most of us to ignore it. But obviously nobody would be be sending out spam if people weren't clicking on it. So even a very small percentage (laughs) of folks who are scammed means that it's worth it for them to send out all of the spam. Facebook, Twitter, no different. Um, I am I'm blocking people and reporting for spam on Twitter all the time. I have not run into a lot of Facebook scams, but I know a lot of people are fooled by them. Uh, The latest one, you know, they're starting to get smart, too. This one comes from The Atlantic, the story. Uh, But the the idea is, is that when you're within Facebook, let's say you've got a lot of friends that are on chat, you can, of course, toggle whether or not you want people to see you on chat. But let's say that they're they're, uh, able to uh, send you a chat message. And by the way, with Facebook chat, it's kind of like it's a chat message, but you can respond at any time via email because Facebook wants this whole new way of emailing and chatting rolled out. Anyway, somebody can uh, consent if, if for some reason they've been gotten into the scam. I might see an email or a chat message that says, hey, sent you, uh, look, check out this Photoshop I made for you. And there's a link. Okay. Okay. Well, when I, yeah. So you and I go, oh gosh, that sounds like, I mean, I would never click a link if you sent that to me because obviously it's some sort of phishing scam or something. A lot of people are fooled by this sort of thing. And apparently this particular scam, uh, at least by the time uh, that this article was put out, which was earlier this morning, it was getting 88,000 clicks per hour from within the Facebook community. I mean, 88,000 clicks per hour. That's quite, I mean, that's a rapid scam spreading throughout. What's weird about this scam is that when you read about it, um, it doesn't really seem like anything is, you know, it's not as if there's some malicious attack going on on people's computers. I mean, I guess that there's some sort of information being gathered, but um, the whole point is that once you get involved in something like this and you spread it, if you were to click on that that link, uh, if I were to click on this, I made a Photoshop link that Amber sent me. Uh, what would happen then is that I would be spamming all of my Facebook contacts that were on chat, provided course, that yeah. I was logged into chat. And so that's how this, you know, these sorts of things go viral and end up affecting a lot of people. Uh, it's it it's it's un uh, it's unfortunate that Facebook is going to be privy to many of these scams, but that's just kind of the way it's going to be. I think that it's just a good opportunity uh, to remind you that if you have access granted to a lot of third-party applications these sorts of mm-hmm. these sorts of stories are a really good reminder to just go into your privacy settings on a regular basis and make sure that everything that you've granted access to still makes sense to you if it's a company that you don't recognize or you don't ever remember granting access to just revoke you know press yes, that x and get rid of it and you know even if it's something um that, uh, you know, a service that maybe you granted access to but don't use anymore or, you know, it's just like clean that stuff up because you, you don't want to grant too it, much yeah. access to comp- uh, to uh, services because you start losing control of your privacy and things start happening on Facebook that you go, I didn't know it was going to act that way. So 
I think it's just one of those things where you have to keep monitoring it. You know, it's like your LinkedIn profile. Yes. You know, you have to go back and, and go through it and make sure, wait a second, I've got a new job now. I've got to, I've got to update things and I've got to move things around a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's, it's like house, you know, spring cleaning, right? You got to clean up some of your different uh, social networks and uh, just stay on top of them. And I mean, always be careful when you're out there. And I mean, it, the same thing happens to me when there's been uh, Twitter scams where someone sends a picture that says, you look re- really great in this video. You know, you always have to be careful of those type of messages. <laughs> that don't have a lot of context or personalization. Uh, so this is just an, another example of that. Uh, Sarah, also, um, not speaking of scams, but speaking of cool <laughs> service, I, services in our spotlight segment, I think Leo had sent us uh, a link to Topsy. I love Leo's emails, Sarah. I'm sure you do too. But literally, you know, a new service comes out that he th- thinks is interesting. He sends us an email and, you know, it just has the name of the service and the link. And you always know it's something cool. And this is no exception to that. Yeah, this is called Topsy, topsy.com. And uh, it's, it's, I'm not sure if, uh, I know Topsy's been around for a while, 2006, I think. They say in their about section. Um, and I'm not sure if I'm just familiar with it because I remember the name or if it sounds like something else. Um, but in any case, what this is, is it's it's real-time search based on um, influencers. So there's that, that, there's that uh, influencers term where it's uh, depending on the people who, um, let's say, are retweeted the most or have the most Twitter followers or engage... Um, the most on Facebook or for whatever there are, I mean, many different parameters as to why somebody would be a higher influencer than another person. But it's kind of like it, it it's it's uh, creating value to the kind of, of links that are sent around um, and who is sending them. So, for example, right now, um, you know, at the top of today's topsy trending topics is uh, an article about climate change from The Economist. So probably retweeted a lot, maybe a lot of comments on that uh, on that page as well. But Topsy is kind of interesting because they do um, more than just, oh, a search page. Okay, that's cool. If you go to the mm. About Us section, they have all sorts of neat tools. For example, a retweet button. And this is really cool for anybody who runs a WordPress page or even another blog um, and is at least comfortable enough with with code to be able to copy and paste a little code um, and add a handy retweet button. Uh, you see these all over the place. A lot of the big sites use them. Sometimes they're customized color-wise or size-wise. But Topsy has a couple just um, uh, default uh, retweet options. You can see one is more of a square and one is more of a a, uh, a short uh, or a, a, a long and skinny and mm. they also give you a variety of colors that you can choose from. This is really cool. I don't have this running on my website, and I don't really have a good reason. But I thought, oh, this is awesome. I'm going to uh, install that code on my Squarespace blog uh, now or when we're done with the show anyway. That is so neat. Cool, it's huh? funny because I just went in. I'm just kind of exploring it a little bit now, and I went into an area called experts just to get a sense of what area that was all about. So you can search uh, different experts and what they're saying about uh, particular brands um, or companies or organizations. So when I I, uh, search uh, for Porsche, for example, I find out that, uh, or Porsche, I don't know how you pronounce it, Mm -hmm. Uh, but uh, I find out a bunch of people who are talking about uh, that particular car um, who obviously have some type of traction online and uh, credibility. So uh, a great way to uh, just uh, get a sense of what uh, some of the more influential people, like you said, are saying out there and there's photos and videos and uh just a slew of information i know i think i feel like i've heard of this before but i i for some reason i don't think we've checked it out we should try to get them on the show maybe sarah i would love to yeah i mean um they they sound like they're right up our alley 
Yeah, I'll try to get in touch with them and see if they'll join us and uh, uh, share a little more insight into uh, what they're building here. Please do. I was gonna, um, I was gonna give a tip on Instagram, but I think in, in, for you know just our time purposes because we we're trying to still figure out how much we can put into an hour long show and still call ourselves the social hour. <laughs> because if yeah, we're under an hour, it's like, well, that's not an hour. And but if we're over, it's like we're not the social ninety minutes; we're the social hour. So I'll I save know. my Instagram tip for next week. next week. And it's an awesome tip, so you have to tune in next week. I it is. It. it is a pretty awesome tip. It's a lot of fun. Um, and it involves cats. That's all I'm going to say about it. Uh, but first, before we move on to the rest of our show, we have a lot of uh, feedback from you guys. So we're going to at least be able to to um, to share a few of those with you, uh, which is great because, as we said uh, on our our inaugural show last week, we really want this to be as interactive of a show as possible because it is social. It's not just me and Ember, it's all of us. Uh, but first, we want to thank FreshBooks for sponsoring this episode of The Social Hour. Amber, you, uh, Leo has credited you with introducing him to FreshBooks initially because it's an invoicing service that uh, you can keep track of all your invoices online and in a professional way. And for freelancers such as yourself and many of us who have freelanced in the past or are thinking of doing it in the future, invoicing can be kind of a daunting activity, can't it? Yeah, it's a, you know, it's a pain. It's almost like uh, doing taxes. You know, we have these certain pains in our, our business worlds. Even if we really love what we're doing, there are things that become kind of a hassle and you just don't want to get to them. Ex- filling out expense reports is a one, another one of those things. What's wonderful about FreshBooks is if you are an individual or you're a company and you want a better way to manage all of your invoicing with clients or tracking time, if you're a freelancer working on a particular project, FreshBooks makes it so easy. I've been using them for a few years and I have to say that it has entirely cleaned up my invoice invoicing process. You're also able uh, to go in and, you know, send expense uh, reports as well and uh, really just manage all of your accounting in one place on the web. So super, super handy for anyone out there who finds uh, the process of sending invoices to be a little bit cumbersome. And I highly recommend it. It's so, so simple. And I send invoices to people in, in, in different countries in the world and it just makes it an absolute cinch to do. It send update reminders. You know, sometimes people don't pay on time. A lot of times people don't pay on time. Mm-hmm. So it makes it really easy to send a quick email reminder and then keep track of your payments if someone has paid you. So at the end of the year, you can go in and see all of the invoices that you've created, all of the money that you've brought in, any outstanding invoices. And it's just super, it's super, super, super easy to, to use. So uh, if you're using anything else, I highly encourage you to switch over, give FreshBooks a try. And I just know that you will love it. Yeah, you can uh, have folks uh, pay you via PayPal. Uh, they have a bunch of other online services, payment services that I didn't even know existed. But if you're using one of those other ones, I bet FreshBooks is using it too or they can pay via credit card or if you're one of those people who's old school or you work with a company who is and everything Mm. needs to be sent uh via snail mail that's cool too fresh books will accommodate you uh they they'll work with everybody pretty much any company uh you know any size as long as you are invoicing them and you want to be organized they are there to help you you can also um you can uh, go ahead and use FreshBooks uh, for free for up to three accounts. So for a lot of freelancers, I mean, they're not working with more than three clients at once. Won't cost you anything. Um, and of course, if you if you need more, then FreshBooks has tiered pricing as well. But it's all really affordable and really manageable. And you know, you heard it from Amber. 
it's 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 the it's best. Fantastic. She is. Yeah, you, you won't regret it. If anyone knows invoicing, it's Amber McArthur. <laughs> it's uh, true. Fresh- now I love invoicing, Sarah. That's the weird part. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it made invoicing fun. So yeah. you know anybody who who uh, who equates invoicing with taxes, let's make it fun, right? You know you don't want to you, you don't want to uh, spend the night crying doing your invoicing. Use FreshBooks.com. It's free for up to three of your clients. FreshBooks.com, and when uh, when they ask you uh, how you found them, just say that you uh, you came through Twit. FreshBooks.com, and we thank them so much for their support. So, Amber, are you ready to um, hear from one of our very first emailers who emailed yes, us? Yes, I can't wait. So this is, um, here's the deal. Last week, I told my Verizon story, and uh, the story had a happy ending, but essentially it was I couldn't get anywhere with a bill that was wrong um, when I called via customer service. I spent hour and a half on hold. I was so frustrated. I tweeted out in frustration and at replied Verizon or the account, at least that I thought, you know, someone might read and got a response really quickly and got my bill handled. And I was really happy about it. And I told the story last week because I was making the point that social media can help you uh, work out problems, uh, especially when you're interacting with companies because more and more companies will have at least one person who's managing the Twitter account and often a team of folks that are kind of the social network liaisons. And we got a lot of feedback. Um, Some of it was, Sarah, I only have 50 followers or I only have, uh, you know, 500 followers. You have more than that. And I think that what you fail to realize is that they only care about people who have more than a certain number of followers. And you should take that into consideration. Now, while I do think that that is true to a point, I mean... Obviously, if Ashton Kutcher talks about how much he hates Verizon, you better believe that they're going to, you know, tweet back to him as soon as possible. But we also got a lot of uh, emails from folks, and I'll read one in a second, who don't have 40,000 followers. I mean, they're not celebrities of any kind. They're just people who had issues. They reached out um, online and got responses. And this particular one comes from, what's his name? His name is... Gosh, where where's your name? Um, is it Len? I know I'm looking in the notes too. I think the other one is from Len. So, um, oh, you know what? Oh, I know. Let's see here, his name is Kevin because I'll yep. pull up his Twitter account in a second. So Kevin says, um, he said wanted to comment about a company that was handling uh, a complaint that's similar to the the Sarah Verizon story. Four months ago, I purchased a new Xbox 360 Elite. I already had an Xbox and I, you know, had it for two years, never had a red ring of death, loved it. Get the new Xbox after two weeks of having it, it breaks, won't turn on. Like Sarah, I was just frustrated. I didn't even really expect a response, but I lashed out on Twitter. Um, He even linked uh, me to the tweet that he lashed out with where he says, two to three years of old Xbox, no R-R-O-D, no nothing, two weeks of new improved Xbox and it breaks. I need a haircut too. So obviously he wasn't (laughs) necessarily trying to... You know, he did, He was just kind of talking. I mean, he was sure, just venting his frustration. Turns out that right away he got a response from Xbox support via Twitter as well. So, I mean, this is all this is all uh, in Twitter's history. Hey, what's going on with your new Xbox 360 console? Send us a tweet. We're here to help and respond quickly. He did. He gave them a little more information about what kind of uh, error he was receiving. 
And they wrote back, hey, thanks. Uh, P- PSU unit is dead, gives a red light. I use uh, Xbox for a lot. Xbox would turn on, or that's what he tweeted to them. And they wrote back with a link uh, that was like a support forum and said, check out that guide. Let us know if that helps. If not, uh, let us know. Anyway, uh, in short, Kevin's story ends up well. He was really um, thrilled that he had heard back from Xbox. They did help him. He solved his problem. It turns out that he, he needed a new unit. But, I mean, this saved him the trouble of being on the uh, phone with somebody who maybe doesn't know the answer, uh, wasting a lot of time. Oh, yeah, wasting time. I mean, that's the biggest thing. I mean, quickly on Twitter, you can obviously, if you have a customer complaint, you can just quickly send it out and um, kind of wait around and do other stuff at the same time. You know, you're not kind of tied to the the uh, phone. And I, there are so many examples of this. So uh, hopefully more companies jump on Twitter and uh, are there to kind of help people along. And uh, they're actually listening to what people are saying. Because, uh, I mean, I know a lot of people are maybe abuse it and... and uh, but I think the reality is it does become an amazing channel for people to actually get through to a human being, which is something we all crave um, instead of these automated uh, support uh, um uh, uh, services and, and uh, phone lines. Actually, funny enough, someone, uh, Rob, on uh, Twitter just wrote that Microsoft Twitter support is amazing um, for Windows, Xbox, Zoom, phone. Uh, they have been very helpful. So, uh, you know, good uh, uh, good on... Uh, did I say good on? Obviously, I'm getting Australians there. Uh, good on uh, Microsoft for uh, being there and answering these tweets. Um, yeah, so th- that's, it, that's... It's very cool. And again, don't let it get you down. Obviously, we're all going to run into problems. Every brand is not going mm. to be, you know, your savior anytime anything goes wrong. But it's totally worth a try. And I can attest um, from some of the emails that uh, that you guys sent us. And thanks so much for all of the, the case stories. Obviously, we can't read all of them. Um, Kevin's was just one example. But it turns out that a lot of folks have, um, have their stories have ended well as well. Yes. Uh, next email. This one um, is from Len Sipson. It, it's long, so I'll just go ahead and uh, paraphrase. But um, he says, congratulations on the new show, first of all. Thank you, Len. Um, and he goes on to uh, note uh, an article uh, that, he, that he wrote. It was a State of the News Media from stateofthemedia.org um, that for the most part went into the idea that um, traditional journalism is in decline. It's not going to decline. It's not... You know, maybe it's not. Uh, it, there's really no question that it's it's over and done with. We're on to the new phase of the way that people absorb information, um, the folks that they turn to for information, and that in a way, it's a bit of a wild west type of a scenario. Mm-hmm. Now, Len doesn't. You know, he's he's not saying that he's not happy with that. Um, you know, for example, he says uh, the number of people who read a newspaper yesterday. Uh, dropped to 37% from from what it was just a year ago or something like that. And he gave me a lot of stats. But uh, essentially, Len is kind of like, listen, I'm not saying that this is bad. I'm just saying that this kind of scares me because I think that there is... you know, something to be said about well-trained journalists. I mean... We- oh, yeah. I mean, I totally agree. I think it's... I mean, I think it is sad in some ways that um, a lot of these journalists who uh, are obviously so great at what they do that uh, their jobs are potentially in jeopardy. And um, I, I think the good news, hopefully, is that some of the journalists who are really experienced are kind of adjusting and adapting with the times. You know, they're figuring out ways to kind of um, innovate and uh, make sure that they are continue to be relevant. They can still do their jobs. But uh, when you get 
get really good journalism. I mean, if you watch Frontline, for example, and get a really good uh, report, then you realize the value of having people out there who are doing amazing storytelling. You know, it's great that you can tweet and take photos and everything, but people who are photojournalists and um, print or broadcast journalists, when they're really good, we still need that context and um, those those articles that allow us to go deep because so much of our lives right now are kind of spent on the surface, right, Sarah? You know, you're mm-hmm. getting little bits of information and you never get to dive in. And um, now I really value a lot of that inform- a lot of that type of reporting. This one is from Brian Goddard, our very first voicemail. Hi, Sarah and Amber. This is Brian Goddard calling from the UK. Um, just a couple of comments about show number one, uh, which uh, I thought was absolutely great. Um... It's very refreshing to have a new show, something in my lineup that I can listen to now. Uh, the whole uh, aspect of uh, uh, talking social, uh, but more importantly, letting people um, in on how and why companies are doing certain things and how to use the product. I think that's an excellent idea. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you're doing this, and uh, I look forward to being uh, right through to um, your celebration of whatever number you get to. Okay, this is Brian Goddard signing out. Thanks, Bye-bye. Brian. I know. I thought that that was that was awesome, and I think that uh, Brian brings up a good point that it's it's not just about oh, this company Facebook launched a new feature or somebody got 41 million dollars in funding we're also going to try to do our best to help people use tools and give tips as much as possible and send along your tips that you send us and you know make it uh not only informational but something that you can actually take away uh you know some some something that you can use Yes, well. news you can use. I love that expression. Do you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, we all, I, I learned that from working with Leo so much as far as on call for help and just making sure that people can kind of step away and be able to use some of these different services and understand them and share them and whether it's in personal, for personal use or uh, running their business. So uh, I'm so excited about this show and that hearing our first voicemail is awesome, Sarah. I know. I totally agree. Um, by the way, uh, if you're wondering how you can send us an email or a voicemail, our email address is thesocialhour at twit.tv, uh, which is, you know, that makes sense. But TSH will also go there as well. So if you like um, to abbreviate your shows, and we do on Twit all the time, that's cool too. Either one works. If you want to send us a voicemail, you can send it to 2626social. Um, and to help you remember, we actually have uh, Ian who uh, made our very first jingle for us. I love it. <laughs> let's, listen, awesome. let's listen to that one more time. I know I, I love it. makes it sound like it's very spa-like. Yeah. Thanks, Ian. That was awesome. We'll try to we'll try to play that every week. It's got kind of like a nice reverb on it. Hey, and uh, I know I love it. It's great. Bring more of that, please. Those are fun. It's fun that to, be able awesome. to be able to play the stuff that people send us. Yes, you know, Amber. Before we go, um, we actually have a third sponsor, and that's Netflix. Uh, Netflix is a new to its sponsor. We're very that's excited awesome. about. Isn't that great? I know. It's like, yay, we're doing well. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Netflix is Amber. How much do you use Netflix? I'm not going to ask you if you use it because. I know you must. Yeah, well, yeah, Netflix just launched in Canada. So very exciting for a lot of Canadians up there. Uh, an amazing service. Uh, um, it was a little bit later coming to Canada than the U.S. Uh, however, it is getting a phenomenal adoption rates, and uh, especially with some of the new announcements and, and new access to uh, better content and content that you just can't get anywhere else. 
Yeah, I agree. Netflix is awesome. I mean, if you want to watch uh, the entire uh, Twin Peaks set uh, on streaming, uh, you can do that now. It's actually one of their new streaming offers, so I'm very excited about that, even though I already have the box set on DVD. Uh, Netflix is, for anybody who doesn't use it already, it is the best way to either get DVDs sent to your mailbox. You don't even have to think about it. You just sign up for an account at Netflix.com, set, put some movies in your queue, uh, you pay a monthly fee, and you just get DVDs in the mail. They just magically appear, except that you tell them which DVDs you want, or or streaming. Um, anybody who's familiar with Netflix streaming knows it is just the easiest thing in the world. I actually have a Netflix-enabled Sony Bravia TV, so I don't even go through my Apple TV, which you can do. Um, I don't need to watch movies uh, via my PC, uh, but you can. So, mm-hmm. you know, you have a lot of... Uh, options as far as the way that you want to watch streaming movies. The streaming is really the way that I use Netflix, but a lot of people prefer the DVD or uh, you know they want to get something on Blu-ray, so that's cool too. Netflix wants to give you wants to give you those options, but it is great. You can um, just I mean with a couple clicks of a button watch an entire movie. I don't know about you, Amber, um, but with streaming, I've been very happy. I don't have buffering issues. The quality looks good. Um, and it's nice to know that I can access my Netflix account from a friend's house. Um, sometimes, yeah. uh, you know, you might not be at home, but you, you know that you've got a queue full of you know, four movies. You can just sign into your account and you can watch it anywhere. So there's very much a video on demand um, and on location demand element to it as well. So we love Netflix. Awesome. I'm so excited that they're a sponsor. I guess I missed that in the notes, Sarah. But uh, Yeah, you know, they I, actually came in. Uh, they were a sponsor uh, while we were, Tom and I were walking around WonderCon, uh, the uh, comic book-ish conference uh, that was happening at Moscone Center in San Francisco over the weekend. And then they came in as a social hour sponsor, kind of in the 11th hour this morning. So uh, they're sponsoring Twit in general. So if you want to try out Netflix, and you can for 30 days, so that's very important. If you're not a user already and you want to watch free movies and television shows. So it's not just movies. I mean, they have a big catalog, but also TV series. Let's start with Buffy. Well, you want to watch all of Buffy? It's going to take you a long time. It's going to take you a lot longer than an uh, an afternoon or a weekend. Cool. Just start setting up your queue in Netflix and go to town. Netflix.com slash twit. Have fun for 30 days. If you like the service, and I promise you, you will, then you can sign up for an account after that. Um, That's actually what I did when I wasn't sure if I was going to watch enough movies. I played around for 30 days and I said, oh, this is just awesome. I love it. Um, And now I'm a a loyal Netflix user for life or until something better goes blind. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Love Netflix. (laughs) And we're very, very, very excited uh, that they're our sponsor. Um, Speaking of social hours, Amber, we're kind of already over an hour. I know. We just went a little bit over there an hour, but that's okay, Sarah. We'll make sure we try to get back down to an hour uh, next week, uh, especially if we just kind of work out, you know, when we have a guest, obviously, um, we'll reduce maybe the news a little bit or something like that. We actually, for people who are uh, listening, we actually had more stories than that. We probably had twice as many stories. So I guess we have to, there's too much to talk about, Sarah, but uh, we'll make sure we keep it uh, within 60 minutes. Yeah, we'll Um, get our groove. You know, we're two shows in. I bet by show five, we will be cooking along. Knowing yeah. exactly what an hour gives us, and of course, it depends on what guests we have too. Um, it was yeah. it was so nice to have Peter Fram as a guest, um, our first guest on the show. And of course, when you have a guest, then there's less time to talk about other things. So it's a balance, and we'll get there. Yeah. But I figure we'll it's there. better to be long and full of good content than to be short with not enough. Exactly, Sarah. It's all good, Sarah. 
Cool. So just a reminder, if you want to write us, it's uh, the social hour at twit.tv. If you want to send us a voicemail, and we love hearing from you, it's 2626-SOCIAL. You can always send us a video as well. So if you just want to take a simple, uh, you know, eyesight video or any any video that you can upload somewhere where you could send us a link, uh, make sure the video isn't private. Sometimes people have privacy settings on on YouTube, and so I can't watch their videos. Uh, just send us a link to anything you want to ask or, or comment on or suggest. Try to keep those videos. 30 seconds is a r- nice magic number. Um, I know that's kind of hard, but try to do that as much as possible because then we can feature as many of you as possible. Uh, but I think, Amber, I think that does it for uh, episode two of The Social Hour. Sure, Sarah. Yeah, it was worth getting up at 4 a.m. for this, Sarah. Well, Let me just tell you. I appreciate your dedication. I got to tell you. I, I- I don't, I don't, uh, I don't know how you do it, Amber, but, uh, you are a jet setter who, um, has a lot on her plate. So, so glad that we're doing the show together among all of your other projects as well. Oh, it's awesome. I love it. And next week I'll, I think I'm going to be in Vancouver. So, but then after that I'm home. So, uh, I'll be doing the show from Vancouver. Not sure where I'll be yet, but, uh, I will be on the show. Don't you worry. Awesome. So it should be a lot of fun. Um, thank you so much, Sarah. Great show. And, uh, uh, you know, thanks to all of our, uh, you know, existing, uh, listeners and people and viewers watching and, uh, for all the new people who have come to the show too. That's pretty exciting. Absolutely. Reminder that if you're not watching us live, we record the social hour Mondays, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. Still getting those times down. Um, So join us live if you can, but if you can't, don't worry about it. Oh, and by the way, uh, last week we had our first show and sometimes it takes a little bit of time for the feeds to propagate through iTunes and we need we had a few issues on our end making sure that all of our feeds were pointing in the right directions on our website which is twit.tv slash TSH now everything's working so if you're uh, if you want to subscribe via Zoom that's all available to you iTunes all of it's live or you can uh, just play the videos straight from all of our show pages at twit.tv slash TSH so we're good to go. Everything's working correctly. Thanks for your patience and um, watch us however you can. And Amber, I will see you next week. All right. I'm going back to bed. Bye, Sarah. All right. Bye. <laughs>